Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome back to another episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into the world of tech startups and you're also interested in music, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest is a classically trained musician and composer who wrote hit songs for Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel and went on to become a serial entrepreneur, founding a number of successful startup businesses inside of and outside the music industry. But before I introduce you to Steve Remland, the CEO of Aimcast, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays, and it's got unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Steve Remland, the chief executive officer of Aimcast, a platform where colleagues can publish audio and visual podcasts that spark conversations, share knowledge and generate insights. Prior to founding Aimcast in July 2019, Steve was the founder and CEO of Medic Digital, a platform he built for Fortune 500 corporations within the pharmaceutical world, and that was to help them engage and connect with their colleagues. Steve's first venture in creating social networks started in early 2009 with Locker Blogger, which allowed athletes to connect with their fans. And Steve began his professional life after college as a composer and musician. He ended up playing on hundreds of albums, including working closely with megastars like Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel as a songwriter. Steve, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am. And thank you for having me, Andrew. Oh, it's my pleasure. So what is your favorite caffeine these days? My favorite caffeine these days is green tea. I love it. So you're into all those antioxidants. I am. Oh, so good. So good. And it actually has a very nice caffeine, sort of very mellow caffeine buzz that it gives you. I mean, it's not like a coffee buzz where you might feel wired. It's just a very nice, you feel alert. Absolutely. And fresh. And fresh. Fantastic. So let's dive into our 10 espresso shots to help 
our young listeners interested in the world of tech startups and those who may also be interested in music learn what entry level jobs are available to them, those who want to break into this field? So today in these unprecedented times, actually, there's a lot of opportunity to do things. So for the music industry, become a fan of the artist and help promote that artist. That'll get you attention right away. If you want to work at a record label, also try to connect with people that you know are in positions that you want to get to and offer your assistance there. As for tech startups, it depends where you want to be, but anything with uh, data science, anything with cybersecurity, anything of just about being helpful in certain respects, whether it's marketing them for social media and things like that, it's a great way to break into those industries. And when you said they should reach out to people in the music industry who they may admire, what kind of services do you think college students can offer? So managers are always looking for help. And any manager of an artist would welcome to have extra people on the team to help uh, promote that particular artist. So on like the social media front kind of thing? Social media front, helping an artist manage some of the sponsors that might be affiliated with that artist. Lots of different things. There's a big need today in the music industry because music today isn't like it used to be, right? So you have basically iTunes music and Spotify. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the social media, getting people onto streams and things like that. There's lots of opportunities to, to do that form. They call them street teams around, you know, certain artists uh, to help really promote that artist, drive listening, drive views. And to get their foot in the door to a tech startup, a place like Aimcast or one of the other companies that you've started, you mentioned different job functions. What are the job titles they should be looking out for for those entry-level positions? Uh, Intern. A lot of them, you know, start interning. So interning in the different facets of the particular function that you might be interested in. So if you're interested, let's say, in programming, intern for a programmer. If you're interested in marketing, intern for the marketing side of things. So a great way to get your foot in the door is to intern. Excellent. What about a useful, hard, and soft skill, Steve, that you've looked for over the years in the young people that you've hired? So I think the biggest thing that I look for and I can't speak to everybody else, is the passion in that person, is the drive, is the energy. You want, and I particularly want people with great energy. That's really my number one thing that I look for. So positive, upbeat, can-do attitude. You said it best. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And what about hard skills? What about the technical skills? You know what? The interesting thing is, you know, you could teach someone technical skills, but what you can't teach someone is that upbeatness, that energy, that drive. And as far as I'm concerned, college prepares you somewhat or high school prepares you somewhat, but it's really getting in there and learning from, you know, the best in that field. So technical, you could teach anyone technical, but really what matters is that upbeatness, that drive, that passion that never give up attitude. Love it. 
love it, love it. And I actually just posted on that very topic yesterday, Steve, about the fact that one of the most important qualities, skills that a young person today needs to cultivate that employers look for is that can do positive attitude. Yeah. And there's no time clock. Like the job doesn't end at five o'clock today, especially with Zoom today, right? People are having a problem. You know, one did work start and one does work end. It could go till 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, you need someone there. You need someone that's always there, that's ready and able to help. Absolutely. What about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into the tech startup world if they haven't studied tech, if they haven't studied coding, engineering? You mentioned data science. And I should say as a major, if they haven't majored in it, is it a deal breaker? For me, no. Like I said, things could be taught, but what you can't teach someone is drive, passion, grit, and energy. Anything else could be taught. I mean, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, you know, for most of the world knows when they're in college, what they want to do. So you have people majoring in philosophy that become great programmers. You have all different kinds of majors because people have to pick one when they went to college. I guess eventually some colleges, you have to pick one after a couple of years. But it's, it's really the person. It's really their drive and their passion for something that will drive their whole careers. A hundred percent. In fact, anecdotally, over the hundreds of people I've interviewed, 90% of us, Steve, and I don't know if you fall into this category, I'll find out in a few minutes, but 90% had no clue what they wanted to do when they graduated. And that's fine because you figure it out as you go along. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing I would just want to add is that you have to be a good networker in life and create a network, your network your network of people that you could bounce things off of that have like-minded attitudes. That's going to take you very far in Definitely. penetrating and breaking into that. Definitely. Um, and we will get into that, my friends, in the main Time for Coffee interview with Steve. So please check out show notes to see if Steve's main Time for Coffee interview has already dropped. Steve, <laughs> how important is it to have a graduate degree in order to succeed in your field, in order to become a chief executive officer or to get into the C-suite? And if so, what do you think are the most useful grad school degrees to get? Huh. Great question. So in the music industry, I would say there's a lot of successful artists, producers, managers that didn't have a degree. If you want to go down the law degree and become a lawyer in the music industry and make that a focus of your practice, yes, you do need a degree. But as far as tech as well, I think, you know, eventually if you go to get your master's or you go on to your doctorate in some type of research around the particular subject, that could be useful in opening up your mind to it. But I don't think that's a prerequisite to become anything within a, within a startup to a CEO in a, in a tech field. I mean, you know, you look at Bill Gates, look at Mark Zuckerberg, they dropped out. And a degree is a degree. I mean, it's only what you make of it at the end of the day. Yeah. And to my knowledge, you don't have a grad school degree. Is that right? I don't have a grad school degree. I uh, finished college, 
but no, I don't have a grad school degree. I don't either, by the way. <laughs> and so I think the lesson there is you don't have to have one to become a CEO. You can hack your way there. You can iterate or improv your way there, which is good to know. You can. And the biggest part of it also is the team that you form around you has to pick up the slack uh, to help you get there, right? So if you don't have a business degree and you're running a business, it would help to get someone in there to compliment you that really knows how to run a business and uh, things like that. But there's different kinds of CEOs. There's CEOs that are the thinkers. And then you need, if you're not good at executing things, you know, get a team around you in there that knows how to take your idea and get those things executed. Great advice. Steve, what kind of life experiences, so those experiences that we have outside the classroom, do you think are most useful for someone who's starting out in this field? The biggest part, I believe, is in how you deal with people, how you deal with certain challenges that come up, not necessarily talking about health issues or things like that, but how you deal with people, how you relate to people, how you solve problems. I think those are some of the biggest assets that someone will look for. People want people that are team players, that are team workers, that if someone's having a bad day or are nasty, that you don't fall into that trap and fire back, mm -hmm. right? So I think it's how do you deal with people? How do you deal with things that are happening outside? That matters a lot. And do you think that somebody, for example, somebody who's interested in music and maybe somebody, that person plays that instrument or composes on their own, that you would recommend maybe that they join a trio or that they get involved in playing with people to kind of build that muscle? Absolutely. Interesting enough, I mean, there's, there's lots of places to play. Today, it's all about, I said, that, that group that in that team that you form around you or that network that you create. And that's where you could find, you know, a lot of camaraderie. So if you're a jazz player, yes, you know, find other jazz musicians to play with. Hopefully you could find people that are a couple levels up than you so that you'll get better. You also could find people that are not at your level and help make them better. Because in teaching, there's a big aspect to learning as well. So absolutely. Wonderful. Steve, what is the best part for you of being in the tech startup world? Best part for me, whether it was music, whether it was the tech startup world, was the ability to connect with people and try to help make people's lives better. When you find that magic of doing that, and inspiring others, that's what brings the greatest satisfaction. Beautiful. And as we know, just because you're the big boss doesn't mean that there aren't aspects of that job that aren't so much fun. So what is the part of your current job as the CEO of Aimcast that sucks the most? <laughs> managing people. For me, it's, it's managing people. I just... That's part of what I don't, you know, love to do. I don't love to sit down and have, you know, hour-long conversations on how they can improve 
I like more the creative stimulation of ideas and how to drive the business further with partnerships and things where we should be heading with products, partnerships, and things like that. But the managing of the day-to-day people, this one showed up late, this one didn't come, this one should have been on that call, didn't do that, this one didn't you know, turn in the things on time, that's <laughs> not for me. Yeah. <laughs> that is not for me. Can't say it's my favorite part of being a manager either, but it's part of the job. Three final espresso shots. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten, Steve? You know, that's a that's a that's a great question. Huh. The best career advice I ever got, which I learned at a very young age, was that your ideas are your currency today. So people like people with ideas. People like, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, people love to hear ideas, how to improve and how they can make something better. And if you could bring that to the table, you'll succeed wherever you go. Love it. So what movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows, or (laughs) books do you think accurately depict your profession. And if you prefer, you can pick the tech startup world or you can pick the world of music. So that's a great question. One book in particular, I think everybody, it's a must read. It's a Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I think that is going to teach you everything you need to know about life all in that one book. The first section, kind of like the history, but in the second section, he really gets into it. And it's all about, you know, the choices and our ability to have free world as we are. And I believe that we are all spiritual beings living in a physical body. It's that choice that we make that guides our path. And it's a must, must read for anybody. It's a beautiful book. And for those who may not be familiar with Viktor Frankl, he was a psychologist who was a Jew and was in a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. Actually, he wasn't in Germany, but which country was he in uh, the concentration camp? I mean, right. he was in a so couple. I believe he was in a couple concentration camps. Was it camps. Dachau or one of these? I think Bergen-Belsen. Bergen-Belsen, okay. I, I believe, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, the concentration camps. Um, yes. Horrible places, uh, wherever, wherever they was. Absolutely. But the interesting thing about the book is that he found and what kept him alive was finding the positiveness of it. Yes. And, you know, we all need that. We oh, need my that. gosh. All need that. I think that is such a fabulous book at any time to be reading. But I would say, especially during these times, we're doing this interview at the end of November 2020. And of course, the coronavirus is raging here in the United States. There are so many people who have lost their jobs, so many people who've had job offers or job prospects fall through because of the coronavirus. And what Dr. Frankel talks about is exactly as Steve said, how he was able to find the good, even as he was starving to death and going through some of the most extraordinarily difficult challenges that you can imagine anybody going through in their life. You know what? I read that book once a month. 
Mm. And in that book, there's so many, you know, just great gems of life that just fly off the page. It's, it's, it's just incredible. I'll give you one quick example. I don't know if we have time for of it. Of course but, um, you do. So there's an interesting part in the book where Frankel talks about Freud. And one of Freud's theories was that everything revolves around food and that if you take away food from people, you know, it'll force people to come together and figure out how we feed each other. And what he says in the book, Dr. Frankel says in the book, is that Freud never had, you know, the luxury of being in a concentration camp. He actually was just speaking with his patients, you know, on a comfortable couch in heat in the winter and fans in the summer. So he said that it is absolutely not true that the lack of food will cause compassion and empathy with humanity. Yeah, because when you're starving, that <laughs> introduces a whole new element. And when everyone is starving. Yeah, and I just actually picked that up a couple of weeks ago when I was reading the book and I never saw that that before. But it's It gives you it, perspective. It'll change your life. It oh, gives you perspective completely. And he wrote that book in 15 days, which is the other miracle. Hadn't he written a lot of it on little pieces of paper? That's how he kind of kept his his spirit alive, really, was this intellectual world that he lived in. Yeah, it was a it was a challenge for him. He had the chance to escape right before, you know, the Holocaust happened. He had elderly parents and a brick actually fell off of his synagogue that I guess his parents took the brick into their home, you know, something that a synagogue that got destroyed. And just as about he was supposed to pack to come to the U.S., he looked at the brick and he asked his dad, what's this Hebrew on this brick? He said, oh, it says, honor your father and your mother. And with that, he stopped his travels and decided to stay back with his parents in the midst of the impending Holocaust. Mm, what a fabulous recommendation. Thank you so much for that. Last espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your profession, Steve, about this industry? Which one? <laughs> well, you know, how about <laughs> um, whichever one you choose, the tech startup world, the fact that you iterated your way to this tech startup world for music, maybe it's the way you approach music, whatever you like. So I'll give you the best, the best example of really everything. And this, this will sum up everything up. When I was young and I was learning to compose, so I'm talking about seven, eight years old, I was fortunate to have a, a great professor from Yale. And first lessons, he told me, Steve, there's only 12 notes. It's all how you arrange them and put them together. And through life, through this tech startup, through anything I've ever done in my life, it's always combining. So it's taking something that was already done and combining it with other things to make it unique and yours. So I'll give you a, a quick example in music and I'll give you a quick example in tech. Quick example in music is when I was fortunate and blessed to be able to play on some famous artist albums. The producer would come in and he would say, you know what, here's what I want. Take the bass line from this song, combine it with the drum beat from this song. I like the guitar parts from this song. Oh, you hear these voices like this? Do something like that. 
and I'll see you in about 10 hours. And that's how productions were put together. In hip hop, they sample a lot of classic songs and they rapped over them, right? So they took a little section, a four bar or two bar part of a song, looped it around and rapped over it, became a new song. In tech, it's all about advancing and taking things that are there and then combining other things. So for instance, with Aincast, what I did was I just took a podcast engine and combined it with multimedia and then it became like this multimedia podcast engine. So I took audio or video podcasts, okay, that's great, but then I combined it with PDFs, image galleries, surveys, quizzes, live polls, and it became this whole kind of new engagement tool. So it's the ability to combine things that are already there that creates something new and interesting. I so love that. And I hope that our listeners are going to be able to hear this because I know there's a great story behind this as well, this song. And here we go. So, Steve, <laughs> I'll let you take it over from here. That's Billy yes. Ocean's Caribbean Queen. Right. So uh, anyone that's hearing that song or listen to the last part of what I did with the uh, espresso shots, it's uh, all about combining things. So if you listen to Caribbean Queen and you listen to Billie Jean by Michael Jackson, which was out before Caribbean Queen, it's exactly Keith Diamond comes in the studio, says, mm, I love the bass line from Billie Jean. Let's copy the bass line from Billie Jean. And as a matter of fact, it's the same bass line and the same chord channels that bump, bump, bump. It's almost the same BPM that's beats per minute. So that's, and he just sang a new melody over the top of it, added a couple little things to make the different arrangement. And there you have Caribbean Queen. So both were hits and probably because Caribbean Queen sounded familiar like Billie Jean. But a lot of DJs also picked up on it. And they, when they were doing mixing in the clubs and stuff like that, they'd kind of go from Billie Jean to Caribbean Queen and back and forth. <laughs> well, I heard you tell that story in another podcast interview with Lou Diamond of Thrive Loud. And I said, oh, my God, he's right. And so I just I was I was ready for that when you uh, when you brought it up, Steve, I want to thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. I think you are such an incredibly fascinating human, wonderful human who is trying to use the gifts that God has given you to make this world a better place. And I just thank you so much for sprinkling some of your fairy dust on Time for Coffee. Well, no, the pleasure's all mine. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at 
time, the number four, coffee.org, or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. 